Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking 313. Uh, this is Ben here with you. Today's going to be a little bit of a weird episode. Uh, neither Logan or Brett can make it today due to, you know, prior activities and prior things that they already had planned. And, you know, my voice is, is going for me right now. i got a little bit of a throat thing going on. So today may be a little bit of a weird episode going solo and all that, but we're going to give it a try. We're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about a little bit of Michigan, Michigan State hoops. May try to keep it brief, you know, <laughs> and then go into uh, the Lions draft, their first overall selection, which is going to be the sixth overall pick in the draft. And then I'll, you know, make a couple picks for these weekend's games. Going to try and keep it to Big Ten games normally for this, but, you know, I'm going to add some big games. Like I've got UNC and Duke in there this week. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so I'm going to start us off a little bit of some Michigan State basketball. They only played one game this week, and it was lost over Purdue. They lost 77-61, to putting them at 14-8 and on the year. Uh, you know, there were some poor performances in this game. Matty Sissoko did not look the part, Zach Eady tore him apart, as Zach Eady does that to a lot of teams this year. So you can't necessarily blame Matty Sissoko for that. Uh, Hoggard played well, got 20 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. That's a solid game for him. Tyson Walker not much after his great performance the first game. And really where I think they hurt is only getting 3 points out of Joey Hauser. I mean, he only took four shots in 30 minutes of play. And if you're going to have Joey Hauser as a guy you're going to trust, you know, be one of your leading scorers, you, you can't have that happen, in my opinion. I think that Joey Hauser is going to have to find a way to be a, a better presence for Michigan State down the stretch here if they're going to want a chance to compete for the Big Ten. It, it was really a, t- a tough performance for Michigan State in this game, just, just losing the way that they did, 77-61, to which honestly isn't necessarily what we uh, – isn't too far away from the what we expected to happen for Michigan State in this game. We expected them to get be pretty good. I'm pretty sure they were double-digit underdogs going into the game, so it's not like they did anything they weren't supposed to do. It's just, you know, if you're a Michigan State fan, if you're if you're going into this game, you're hoping, you know, maybe they can at least compete in it, show that, that this is a team that can go to the Final Four. And kind of going into that where the Final Four part – this team is kind of shaping up to me to be a team that is a first weekend exit, probably round of 32. And if you're lucky, you'll get to that second weekend, but I don't think you get to the early date. I think Sweet 16 is kind of the ceiling from where I think this team is right now so far. I think that the way they performed, when they're all on, they're really good. They're a really good basketball team, and, and they do everything right, and they can shoot and, and all of that. But that can only get you so far when you're playing so inconsistently as they are. I think another thing to look at for this team is, is they're going to go as far as their forward play is going to take them. Their guard play has been really good with Tyson Walker and AJ Hoggard. I think both of those players have been solid. And even Jaden Nakins, you could say Jaden Nakins too, have been good players, solid players for this Michigan State team. But when Joey Hauser's on, when Malik Hall's on, when basically you know those two guys are on, this team is a team that can compete with anybody, and you saw that against Purdue. Now, that was at home for them, so you can say, oh, well, it's just, you know, big time on the road. That's why we lost. But still, you know, I would have liked to see Michigan State put up a little bit of a better performance against Purdue in this game, I feel like. Uh, this next week coming up, they travel to Rutgers. That's going to be on Saturday, 12 o'clock on Fox. That's a big game for Michigan State. I think traveling to Rutgers is is not good. It's not not necessarily not good, not easy. I think Jersey Mike's Arena is what they're calling it now. It used to be the rack. Um, it's it's a tough place to play, especially when Rutgers is good like they have been this year. 
this is going to be a game that I think can kind of determine, not necessarily determine, but is going to help show who's going to be number two in the Big Ten this year. You know what I mean? I think this is a big, big game for both of these teams to, you know, just try and create some space for them in the Big Ten play. I feel like in Big Ten play, there's not necessarily a lot of, there's not a lot of separation. You have Illinois Rutgers, uh, all both sitting at seven and four. Michigan State, you know, six and five. So they're only a game back. And you have what two, four, six, six teams at six and five, and two more teams at five and six. So there's a total of ten teams that are seven and four or five and six. And then you have you know Purdue, you have Ohio State, Nebraska, Minnesota, and those four teams are kind of separated. Purdue in a good way, Ohio State, Nebraska, Minnesota, not necessarily in the way they want to be. I think that this this conference is. I don't want to say Purdue's necessarily won the conference in the Big Ten because to say that would be tempting fate, I would say. But it, it seems like three games ahead in the Big Ten conference, there's no way Illinois or Rutgers or any of these teams are really going undefeated down the stretch. I don't see a way Purdue loses this unless they completely fall flat on their face. I think this is Purdue's conference to win. So really what you're looking for for Michigan State is to make sure you get in those top four seeds to get that first-round bye in the Big Ten tournament because I think that's a big deal and that can honestly generate a lot of momentum going into the NCAA tournament if you get a good seed there and you play well. And I'm not sure where it is this year. I'm not sure. I think it's Chicago this year is where the Big Ten tournament is held. I'm not 100% sure, so don't call me on that. But I think this Rutgers game is going to be a big thing to determining whether, you know, this is a Michigan State team that's here to stay at the top of the conference, whether if this is a Michigan State team that's kind of going to fall down the stretch, you know, not necessarily fall down the stretch, but just be, you know, ups and downs and, and be a middle helper pack of the of the Big Ten, which is not necessarily a bad thing. This is a very good league. And then their second game this week is going to be home against Maryland. That's another game, you know, Maryland, 6-5 and five in conference, but they're 15-7, so they're – same Big Ten conference play as Michigan State. And the thing about Maryland is is they don't seem to play very well on the road. They're very, very good at home, and they win a lot of games at home because of it. But on the road, they struggle. So I think this is a game Michigan State should win home against Maryland. And if they do win to both these games, I think, you know, sitting 16-8, and 8-5 eight, eight and five in Big Ten play, like you're sitting in a very, very good spot where you could even maybe fall your way into a five seed, maybe. If you keep playing good down the stretch, I, th I think that Michigan State is in a good spot right here where if they play good these two games, they can be in a good spot to be in a very, very good place where they want to be going into the tournament. Like I said, I'm going to try and keep these you know, somewhat brief. So I know that was a little kind of short uh, segment on Michigan State than we normally talk about, but that's all I got for you. And so I'm going to go right into the Michigan segment, Michigan split. Michigan is just a weird team, man. They split the games that they had this week. They lost at Penn State in probably one of the worst performances I've, I've ever watched uh, Michigan basketball play in, other than maybe that Central Michigan loss that they had earlier this year. That 83-61 to 61 loss at Penn State was perfect. I did not see a lick of defense played by anybody. Jet Howard, you know, I'm going to call him out. Everybody loves Jet Howard, and I get it. I understand. He's flashy. He scores a lot. He does everything, not necessarily everything right, but he does offensively does most things right. My bone to pick with Jet Howard is that he doesn't seem like a guy that gives 
necessarily a ton of effort. I think that there's a lot of times where he's not going to be the first one diving on the floor for a loose ball. He's not going to be the guy that's getting out on defense and working his working his tail off playing defensive basketball. And I think that's a really big problem for this Michigan basketball team is that their star player, you know, isn't what you want him to be. I think that if Jed Howard steps up down the stretch, this is a team that, you know, probably it's going to be tough to make a tournament. 12 and 10, here they are. And, you know, 12 and 10, that's because they beat Northwestern last night, and I'll get into that game too. But 12 and 10, you know, if, if Jed Howard starts playing well down the stretch, they, they could make some noise. Not necessarily make tournament, just make, make you know, make some noise, mess some stuff up, you know. Be one of those teams that, oh, go gets a, a random team and, and sends them home instead of going to the NCAA tournament. You know what I mean? I feel like that's the best you can hope for at this point for Michigan. In that second game, because, you know, I don't really want to talk too much about that Penn State game. It was just a terrible game to watch and kind of tough to rehash that, you know. Northwestern, complete opposite. I, I don't know how this team goes from that better performance to that good of a performance. They they won 68 to 51 on the road against Northwestern. So that's a quad one win, their first quad one win of the year. That's, that's a huge for Michigan, huge momentum. They they looked like a completely different team in the sense that they actually looked like they were giving effort. You know, they were they got a ton of offensive rebounds. They were getting on the floor for loose balls. They were working their tail off. You saw Kobe Bufkin doing all sorts of things, you know working his butt off defensively. He had a double-double. Hunter Dickinson had a big game. Uh, what's uh, Really everybody. I mean, it was a good, good team win. I know Doug McDaniel, maybe not the scoring game he would like, but he was distributing the ball as a point guard at like a top-tier level last night. He was playing a very, very good game. Joey Baker made a couple threes, had that four-point play. I think that for this Michigan team, they have to they have to have a complete game. To, to beat good teams on the road. You know, it's not easy to beat teams on the road, especially good teams on the road, especially if you're in the Big Ten. It's just everything is stacked against you when you're in the Big Ten and you're going on the road, and it's, it's a tough place to win. But I think that if if Michigan keeps doing the things they're doing, if they can play complete games, not well, not the things they've been doing, if they can re, if they can evaluate what happened right in that Northwestern game and just continue to do and build upon that win, you know, maybe – they find their way playing good in the Big Ten tournament, maybe not making the tournament, but, you know, just building some sort of momentum. All I ask from this team is to see some sort of fight. That's all I asked Jawan Howard to do because if he shows some sort of fight from this team, then all of a sudden people start to buy on board again. And I think winning is, is a culture thing. I think winning basketball games is a culture, and I think if, if you start building that winning culture here at the end of the year, getting that momentum going into next year, you're going to be in a good spot. Their next two upcoming games is our home against Ohio State, 1 o'clock on Sunday, and then home against Nebraska, 6.30 on Wednesday. So these are two teams that you should be if you're Michigan, especially at home. Two teams that are not that are on the lower end of the Big Ten Conference. You know, there's no low end of the Big Ten Conference, but these are two of the worst teams of the Big Ten Conference other than Minnesota. These are probably the two worst. And if, if you win both these games, you have a three-game winning streak, all of a sudden you're 14 and 10. You know, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to the tournament because you're going to have to have a lot of good wins, but it, it does put you in a good spot where you're you're sitting at 8 and 5 in conference play. Like, if, if you win some games that you're not supposed to win, which they have a lot of games they're not going to supposed to win down the stretch, if you win some of those games, you're going to be in a fantastic spot where maybe you can sneak into the tournament. You know, I'd, I'd, it, I was trying to stay away from saying that, they could sneak into the tournament because, you know, I, I do not think it's going to happen at, at all. I do not think Michigan is a tournament team. I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament at all. I don't think that. But I think that if you 
win these three games, people will start to buy on board again. You know, there's enough talent on this team where they can maybe do something. And I think that maybe, maybe with this Michigan team, you can see at least some confidence built where they just start, you know, playing a lot better down the stretch and, and maybe they sneak in. It's, I put the Michigan chances of making the tournament probably under 10, under 10%. You know, there's a very, very small, minute chance they make the tournament, especially with the way this team's been playing, ups and downs. You know, they can't go up and down on the stretch and make the tournament because they're not good enough. They don't have the wins. They don't have anything like that down the stretch that if they're going to go ups and downs, then they're going to they're, they're gonna be out. They're going to be playing the NIT tournament, which, funny thing, last week uh, – <laughs> I was talking about how Hunter Dickinson does his little celebration where he puts his, his hand between his legs. And I said something about the NIT tournament. And Logan says, what does that stand for? And I thought I thought he was talking about me putting the – talking about Hunter Dickinson putting the thing between his legs. So I was like, that's a schlong dong. And, and what Logan actually was asking me was, what does NIT stand for? So I'm going to say this for Logan here. Uh, NIT stands for not in the tournament, which uh, is probably where Michigan's headed. All right, so on a much more exciting note, I want to talk a little bit of Lions draft with you guys. They have the sixth overall pick, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to focus on that sixth overall pick. I know that they have the 18th overall pick as well. They have a plenty amount of second, third, fourth round picks. They have a lot of a lot of high value picks in this draft, and there's a lot to dive into with the Lions draft. But I want to just focus on that first overall sixth pick in the Lions draft because we have a ton of time to get into a lot of stuff and we're going to break it up like this so we don't just get repetitive and keep saying the same things over and over again. So I'm just going to talk about that six overall pick. The first thing I have written down about this pick is what position do the Lions want to go with? And my one thing is don't go quarterback at all. And I think at the beginning of the year, a lot of people would have been like, I, I disagree. And you know what? Now everybody's changed because they saw Jared Goff. Is, 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 I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to say he's he's a certified stud. But last year he played like a certified stud. If he plays like that down the stretch, it plays even 80%, 75% of what he did this year. He's going to be a good quarterback that can get to the Lions to the playoffs, can win some playoff games. And if he plays the way he played this year, he can win a Super Bowl. I wholeheartedly believe that if Jared Goff continues to play the way he did this year, he can win a Super Bowl. So I say don't go quarterback at six overall. I think going quarterback at six overall is is the complete wrong move that the Lions could do. I don't think other than that, there's really a lot of wrong things they can do, but I think taking a quarterback is the wrong thing. With that being said, now that I got that out of the way, because after that, you know, I'm sure when I get Logan on here or Brett on here or anybody else that I have on here, they're probably going to agree with me about the quarterback thing and, and we'll bring it up every once in a while. But with that being said, for this podcast, I'm, I'm done talking about quarterbacks. I'm, I'm not going to bring up anything with the quarterback six overall pick. Also, the other thing, I'm not going to talk about trading up this pick in this podcast. That may be a thing we talk about when we're talking about full lines draft. But right now in this podcast, I'm just going to talk about what they should do if they stay firm put at six. And I'm not going to talk about a quarterback. Okay, so the big thing is is the slam dunk. The obvious slam dunk would be if Will Anderson or Jalen Carter were to fall. One of them, the chances of one of them falling are less than 15%. 
the only way that would happen is if you really have quarterback, 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 quarterback. I mean, it would have to be Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson. You would have to have probably four quarterbacks go off the board, and then you have one of the defensive players picked, and then you get the other one. Like, that's the only way it would happen unless, you know, somebody jumps the gun on B. John Robinson and takes him inside the top five, which I doubt is going to happen. If they fall, it's obvious you you don't even wait a second. That pick should be in within five seconds. The Lions select Will Anderson. The Lions select Jalen Carter. That should happen immediately. They are generational talents. Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, generational talents. Pairing them up on the defense with Aiden Hutchinson, like in that front seven, would be dangerous and disgusting, and other teams should be scared because the Lions are going to be – they're already going to be really freaking good going into next year, but if they get one of those two guys, watch out. That team is disgustingly scary. Terrifying, I think. Most likely, however, they will not fall. Most likely, I think what we're going to be looking at is defensive tackle Miles Murphy from Clemson. Everybody, not everybody, most people mock Miles Murphy to the Lions. Defensive tackle from Clemson. He's a, he's a really good talent. He's he's going to be a good guy in the stopgap. You know, he's not the same guy that Jalen Carter is, but but he's he's close to close to as good as Jalen Carter is. He he's a freaking stud. If we get Miles Murphy, I am by far and away a happy camper, and I think all Lions fans should be. That's a guy that's going to be a a plug gap guy in the Lions defense where he's just going to wreck things up the middle for years to come, and I think that you should be ecstatic about that. I think that another guy that the Lions are probably looking at is Tyree Wilson. He's an edge rusher out of Texas Tech. He's another player that's going to be a good player down the stretch for the Lions if they take him. He may be a guy that's not going to come in right away and be a stud, but he may be a guy that comes in and all of a sudden he's just kind of creeping up and, and, and he's just a really freaking good player. Now the question is, do you want to take another edge edge rusher, like a true edge rusher defensive end? If you have James Houston and you have Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, if you re-sign somebody, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the wrong thing. You can't have enough edge rushers. And you saw Aiden Hutchinson playing some defensive tackle. You saw him lining up at a linebacker. Like the thing about the NFL these days is that it's positionless football. And any of these guys can really come off the edge, play a little linebacker, do what they need to, like outside linebacker, do what they need to do to fit into this line system. You know what I mean? I think that both of those guys, Miles Murphy and Tyree Wilson, I would I would definitely lead toward Miles Murphy. But if they took Tyree Wilson, I would not be mad. I think he's going to be a fantastic edge rusher in the years to come when he's drafted. The other questions they have is, is do they go corner that early? My initial thought and what I have to say now is is don't. I think that you're going to have a lot of corner depth available at that 18th overall pick. So I think that it doesn't make sense for them to go corner here. If they did, you know, it'd probably be uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, Cameron Smith from South Carolina, Joey Porter from Penn State, even maybe Kelly Ringo if he jumps back up from Georgia. You know, like all these guys are very, very talented corners. I think so. But I think the the depth at corner is a lot better than depth you're going to have at a defensive tackle, edge rusher, and the, like the generational talents that you're going to get from like a Miles Murphy, uh, maybe even a Tyree Wilson, I think it is, is a lot better than what you'd get at corner. 
with Devin Witherspoon, Cam Smith, and Joey Porter. So I think that the line should stay on the defensive line. And I think that Miles Murphy and Tyree Wilson are probably the two guys that they should they should be looking at right now. Another thing I kind of want to just highlight before I get off this Lions draft segment is notice how I did not mention an offensive player. I don't want to say the offense is complete for the Lions, but it's it's pretty damn good. I think that the Lions offense is is fantastic and the Lions defense, you know, not so much. There's there's a lot left there to there's a lot left on the table for this Lions defense that I think you need to fill holes in the Lions defense. I think the this whole draft for the Lions is going to be very, very defensive heavy. And I think that's what it needs to be. I think the only thing that has been ever brought up at six offensively is maybe B. John Robinson. And I, I, I like it, but I don't think the value is there to get another running back that early in the draft. I don't think taking running backs in the top 10 is worth it in today's NFL. I, I don't think they should take B. John Robinson there. I think, I know I wasn't going to talk about the 18th overall pick, but I think if he falls at 18, go ahead, scoop him up. But I would not take him at six. I would not take B. John Robinson at six. I don't think that he's – it's not that he doesn't have the talent to because he's one of the most talented running backs that we've seen in, in ages, and he's a very talented player. But I think that the value you have at six to take a defensive line – Defense, 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 defense for the Lions is far greater than the value you're going to get if you take a running back. That should wrap it up for my Lions segment. Um, The last thing I'm going to do here on the podcast is make some picks for this week's games. You know, uh, like I said at the top of the pod, uh, I'm trying to keep it to Big Ten teams, but I said I'd add, you know, a couple of those big games in there if there's a big game that weekend and, you know, do this to kind of, you know, save time. You know, it's a little fun segment at the end of pods that we can do. And, you know, it, it'll it'll be a lot more fun when I have, you know, Logan or Brett here with me and we're picking against each other and, and then we're, like, competing for it, you know, or seeing, like, oh, well, I think you're wrong and all that, you know, like we're – disagreeing and all that I think that'll be a lot more fun than than this one but like I said earlier you know things happen (laughs) everybody can't be here so I'm just going to take my picks here first game is Saturday Purdue travels to Indiana at four o'clock a huge game in the Big Ten landscape I think Indiana is a team that's been rising and is a very very talented team whereas Purdue is the Goliath of the Big Ten they're the best team in the Big Ten. It's going to be very interesting to see how Indiana guards Purdue. I, I don't think Trace Jackson Davis is necessarily going to be able to guard him by himself. You know, you're going to have to dig on him. You're going to have to help. You're going to have double teams on Zach Eady. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how they do that. I think Indiana wins this game. I know that's it's kind of – it's underdog pick, and I do like the underdogs. And part of this is I'm picking with my heart. I, I like Indiana. Uh, a lot better than I like Purdue. It's not that I don't like Purdue. I'm actually, I don't, I'm not an Indiana fan by any means, but I like Indiana basketball. Indiana basketball is fun to watch, and and they're a very good, talented team. And I think you know, watching Indiana basketball, especially at home in that atmosphere, and playing in that atmosphere for Purdue is going to be tough. And I think Indiana is going to win this game. Second game I got here is also Saturday, two thirty. Illinois travels to Iowa. This is another big game in the Big Ten. I think Illinois is at six and or seven and four. I want to say Iowa's six and five. They may be five and six, but I think they're six and five. Playing 
at Iowa is going to be a big thing here. Illinois is one of those teams that can win any game they play, but can also lose any game they play, which is kind of uh, – that's how a lot of the Big Ten is. But for Illinois, I feel like it's, it's a bigger gap than a lot of other teams in the Big Ten. So it's kind of an interesting game here. I'm going to take Iowa. Uh, I hate Illinois. And Big Ten on the road is tough. And I think Illinois does not play very well on the road. And I think Iowa is going to get this one. The next game is Northwestern at Wisconsin, 630 on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to take Northwestern to bounce back. I think Wisconsin's a team that's struggling down the stretch here. I know that Northwestern's traveling on the road to Wisconsin, so it's going to be a tough ask for them to win this game. But I think that they're going to win this game handedly. I think Northwestern's not a bad team. I think they have some players. I know they just got smashed by Michigan, and that's not necessarily a good look. This is a Michigan team coming off that bad of a loss. You knew they were going to play inspired, and they had to split those games. They were playing for their, you know, their lives in that game. And Northwestern, you know, just coming off that COVID pause, I feel like they're finally probably going to try and just catch their stride here against a lesser Wisconsin team. Wednesday at 8.30, I got Wisconsin traveling to Penn State. Again, Wisconsin, you know, I think it's a team that they're going to lose two straight games here, and they're going to fall down to the bottom of the Big Ten. Not a very talented team, I don't think, Wisconsin. I think Penn State's going to win this game handedly. I think this Penn State team is a good team that could potentially make the tournament. Final game I'm going to take here is UNC at Duke. Uh, I know this is the only Big Ten game I don't have on here, but it's North Carolina Duke. You know, you got to pick it. I'm a huge North Carolina fan. I'm taking North Carolina, but let me give you a little insight into that. Um, Duke has been, you know, both these teams are very underwhelming. Duke has those freshmen that have not really performed the way they want to. Carolina has just kind of been never had a complete full performance yet this year. And you saw last year how North Carolina really got hot. Now, they did get hot before that first Duke game, but that kind of was what sparked them to just take off down the stretch, I feel like. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see that again. I wouldn't be surprised if you see North Carolina travel to Duke and win a big game against Duke again and just shoot up. And all of a sudden, they just start winning games. They don't lose. And they just turn into the team that they were supposed to be at the beginning of the year and just are in fuego down the stretch. You know, I'm, I'm saying that with my heart. I really hope that happens. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens either. I do think that there's a very good possibility that this is a game that sparks North Carolina's hopes for the rest of the year. That should be, you know, all I got for you guys today, I believe. You know, thank you for, for sticking through and listening to me lead this by myself with my uh, scratchy, scratchy voice. Uh, appreciate you guys. You know, just a little thing I want to say, share this podcast, anybody, you know, you want anybody that you think would be interested in it, uh, try and grow this broadcast brand, you know, give it five stars if you listen to it on Spotify. Thanks for listening, guys.